Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you bi-weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from virtual CFOs, CPAs, and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you the results you need both in business and building the life you deserve. Thank you so much for joining us back here in 2023 for our first episode of the year of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast brought to you by PJS and CoCPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and we are bringing you episode 111 today. And we're actually trying something a little bit different here, and I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest. I am trying my first solo episode here with you for the first 110 episodes of our podcast here. I have always had one of our partners here with us or an external guest to bring you some external piece of information or really focus on the CPA portion. And even our marketing episodes, I've had our marketing extraordinaire, Amanda, another member of our team, someone else to help talk about it. But today it's just me. So you're stuck with me for a full 20, 30 minutes here. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Buckle up, guys. Today we're talking about setting intentions for your year. Because I'm the marketing and business development manager here, I'm going to put a marketing spin on it. As you all know, that's my background if you've listened to any of our other podcasts. So that will be the background of how I'm presenting this topic. But I was also able to find a lot of fascinating studies about intention setting. And I want to talk about that too, because I think one of the first things that you may think of when we talk about, oh, you need to set your intentions to some of us who may not be into the whole yoga world. I love yoga personally, but it it may may sound a bit woo-woo, right? Like, oh, you need to create your, one of those things called dream board. And that's not what we're talking about here. Nothing against dream boards, but it just can sound a like a, like a offbeat concept if it's new to you. But really it's just essentially the first step of achieving goals. You need to state your intentions. You need to set your intentions so that you have something in mind that you're working toward. And first, I'm going to break down some of the studies that I found that are just really interesting. And I think it'll give a better concrete understanding of how these impact how we live our daily lives and how we work in our business and as a business owner. And then two, I'm going to give some steps on how to create and set intentions for the year to set you up for success. And, you know, again, the examples that I'm going to use are going to be more marketing related than our traditional CFO or CPA related things, but hopefully you can take those and apply them in whatever area of your business you see fit. So, To start us off, the act of setting an intention is really just stating what you intend to accomplish within a given time period. It's similar to achieving goals. We've talked about SMART goals in the past, and SMART is an acronym. So intentions are a little more loosely based as far as we're not getting to the level of SMART. But we do, however, want to be specific and actionable in our intentions when we set them. So before we get into the act of setting intentions and how to set intentions, I want to start by backing up and providing some of these scientific studies that I found so that you can really wrap your brain around 
how scientifically it's linked to success in business and success in achieving goals, rather than just this loosey-goosey idea of, oh, I need to spend my time doing this because somebody said I need to, right? So one of the first studies that I found in looking at and researching in preparation for this episode was a 2009 study. And I'm, of course, going to link to all of these in the show notes for this episode, which, as always, can be found at pjscpas.com forward slash and then the episode number. So for this one, it's 111. But in this 2009 study, and you're going to have to forgive my pronunciation of some of these terms since I'm not a neuroscientist, but I want to break it down just as far as like the basics of what this study meant, right? There's some terms that we may not know what that is. It's just parts of the brain, but bear with me. Movement and tension after parietal cortex stimulation in humans. It's a lot of big words, so let's break that down a little bit. During this study, scientists actually observed several patients undergoing open brain surgery. And during surgery, they used an electrode to stimulate parts of the parietal lobe, which is just a part of of the brain, and the premotor cortex to see how patients would react. When inferior parietal lobes were stimulated with low currents, patients felt like performing certain basic day-to-day actions, like lifting an arm. But when the electrocurrent was increased on the same location, patients were convinced that they did actually perform those actions, when in fact, there was no physical movement that happened. Proving that simulating that part of the brain can have this type of illusion effect. In contrast, when the premotor cortex was stimulated, patients performed certain basic functions, but had no knowledge of their physical actions. So the subconscious brain activity allows you to perform regular undertakings like picking up what you dropped without being fully aware of it. And the thing that I kind of thought of as I was reading through this study was when you zone out, not a very safe example, but we've all experienced it, right? Where we're driving and all of a sudden you're home and you don't remember the previous two stoplights that you went through to get home. Like you go on the autopilot. But essentially... By activating certain parts of your brain and thinking about it regularly, you can perform actions almost by routine. So that's one study that's kind of building into the case of what we're talking about here as far as intentions. So stick with me here. Another study was done in 2011. And this one, the title of it was Researchers Can Predict Future Actions from Human Brain Activity. This one was bizarre. The summary of this one is over the course of one year study, human subjects had their brain activity scanned using functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, while they performed one of three hand movements, grasping the top of an object, grasping the bottom of the object, or simply reaching out and touching the object. The team doing the study found that by using the signals from many brain regions, they could predict better than chance, which of the actions the volunteer was merely intending to do seconds later. So this is showing us that there's certain areas of our brain that are activating when we even think of or intend to do something. It's not just the action itself. There's parts of our brain. And as we all know, the brain is still such a mystery to scientists and doctors all around the world. But all of this research, relatively recent research, is showing us that there are areas that are activating just with the intention of doing something. And then there's one last study that I'll I'll highlight here. And again, 
like I said, we're going to link to these, but there's a 2015 study. The emergence of shared intentionality is coupled to the advance of cumulative culture. This recent research, it was done in developmental psychology, suggests that humans, a special proclivity to undertake jointly intentional behavior could be responsible for the uniqueness of human cognition. That is, humans do not only collaborate because we are smart, we are smart because we collaborate. So this is an important one in setting an intention and sharing it with your organization, with your team, because as a collaborative approach, as you all join together and share this one intention, they've looked into this and humans have this unique ability to have a shared intention. And that ultimately is what has built our cultures across time. We're talking tens of thousands of years here. So a lot of interesting and really fascinating studies that I kind of started to deep dive into. And I, I will continue to look at these because I just find this stuff so interesting. But essentially, there are real life studies happening that are showing that our intentions do have a direct result and link to what we actually end up doing. So if we're spending a lot of time thinking about whatever thought that is, I don't want to say manifesting, because then again, that's a woo-woo word. Not everyone's on board with those, but we are attracting that type of action to ourselves. So now I want to kind of shift gears. And if you are interested, if you want to read more in depth about those studies, if you have more of a science background than I do, you're free to click on those links and learn more about the parietal lobe, which I had to figure out how to pronounce on YouTube before recording this episode. So you're welcome. We'll move on now to how do we set intentions? So now we know that they're important. We know that there is a science-based reason behind why we're doing that. And it does lead to higher success. But how do we set intentions in a productive way, I guess? The first thing might be pretty obvious, but is to state your intention. And some people do this just verbally, but I always recommend writing it down. So not only are you speaking it out loud, but you're writing it in a business plan, in a marketing plan, in your vision of your company. You know, once you have that intention, you need to put it down on paper somewhere because this helps make it more concrete. And ultimately, like we talked about with the collaboration, you should be sharing this with your team, right? Especially when we're talking about business goals or even on a more micro level, marketing or sales goals, the intentions that you have for your department or your business or your organization or your team or a certain employee, they need to be shared so that you can work together to achieve those. The second recommendation is to be clear. This makes it easier for you to focus your energy on achieving the right thing. So rather than that vague intention of, I want to grow my business, right? That's pretty vague. Like grow your business in what way? Get more clients, focus on your profits. There's so many different ways that you can quote unquote grow. You want to give this intention a specific number or even emotion as we'll get into a little lower here. You can even set intentions about the emotions that you're feeling around certain things, which 
can be really helpful if you're feeling stress around a certain situation or there's a variety of situations where that could be helpful. But let's throw some examples out there. So I intend to increase our web traffic by 20% this quarter. I intend to get five qualified leads this quarter. Or like we talked about with the emotions, I intend to feel more relaxed and confident. And then I would challenge you to even get more specific about that because this is so individualized. What does confidence mean to you? What in your mind would make you appear confident to other people? And I do this by pulling from examples of others that I admire. If I see somebody that I'm like, wow, they present themselves so well. They're so confident. They're so well-spoken. What about them is doing that? So I intend on doing this to make myself feel more confident or come across as more confident or whatever it may be. We're trying to get specific here so that we can focus our energy in the right areas. So maybe you struggle with sales calls. So we focus on getting more confidence, insert what that means to you, on sales calls. Maybe you feel nervous about talking about pricing. So what can we do to work on the pricing discussion? Or maybe you need to role play with somebody and work through what makes you nervous or how you can say things in a better way or things like that. So you start to break it down when you get more specific and understand what exactly is it that's holding you back from from getting there. The third tip is to really make sure that they are all positive. And by, by that, I mean, keep the language focused on, I will do this rather than I won't blah, blah, blah. Because if you go down the path of, I won't, you start picking on yourself of like all the things that you do wrong and all the things that you want to avoid doing. But in stating your intention in that way, Again, you're giving your brain the opportunity to focus on those things that you don't want to do, which is what we want to avoid. So in your intention, make sure that you're staying on the positive side and the things that you do want your brain to think about and intend to do so that you guide your brain in that direction as you move toward the action that you want to employ. Try to keep those all I will statements. Fourth tip is to really keep it simple. And... This kind of goes back up to the being clear. I think these kind of go hand in hand. As you get more clear about what your intention should be, and as you focus your energy and really hone it down, you have to get more simple because you have to understand what's at the core of what's making you feel that way or what's at the core of how do I really get those qualified leads? Because once you start talking about, okay, qualified lead, well, what does a qualified mean lead me to me? Well, What's making the leads that I'm getting not qualified? How do we vet them better? What questions are we not asking during the vetting process that could avoid these leads getting to me? You kind of start ironing out the the process and making this more clear and simple for yourself so that you know what you're focusing on. And the last tip is really to shift your limiting beliefs. And if you've done any type of self-improvement or reading any of those types of books, you're probably aware of limiting beliefs, but these are really the doubts and negative stories that you tell yourself. These are giving your brain the space to think about these things and are essentially holding you back. Because if you tell yourself that you're bad at sales 
And this is just the story that you've told yourself for years and years and years, but you want to work on feeling more confident during sales calls. If you have these two thoughts going side by side, that's going to make it very difficult to have the confidence or build up confidence in that area. So we have to start kind of separating ourselves from these stories or these negative things that we've told ourselves about how our person, like, oh, that's just how I am, right? Oh, I'm just shy. Oh, I'm just afraid of X, Y, Z. You have to separate yourself and your personality from some of these doubts and things that you've created that maybe it was based on like one bad sales experience that you had. We all have bad days, right? I've bombed things before completely. That doesn't mean that I'm bad at it forever. And I think we get stuck in these things as adults too, that we don't want to try new things because if we fail, oh my gosh, we're just bad at it. I tell my kids this all the time and I try to be a good example of it, but it is, it's very difficult to try to learn something new and to not tell yourself, oh, I'm just bad at that. It takes time to learn these things. You know, that jujitsu master didn't wake up one morning and just know how to do all of those things. It takes consistent dedicated practice to do some of these things. And that's true for everything. You look at the sales masters that are there all over this world, right? The people that are so good at connecting and really paying attention to what you need and make you feel like you're on top of the world, right? It's taken years and years of practice and it's intentional. You have to focus your energy on the right parts, focus it on the positive and try your best to let go of the negative. It's very difficult to do. It's not something that happens overnight. But anyone who's mastered something, and even the masters continue to practice every single day. Because you don't just get there and stay that way because you hit your plateau and oh my gosh, I'm the best now. Once you get fit, you have to continue working out to stay fit. And no one really likes to hear that because you want the the magic. Oh, well, what's the one tip I can do to make this better? But ultimately, it, it comes down to practice, dedication, consistency. I guess that's wrapping it up with a bow. I will link to all of the resources, all of those studies, and then you can go through and follow the step-by-step actions that I laid out in this episode for how to set your intentions and how to do that in a way that is going to set you up for success on whatever specific goals you have for 2023. I hope this has been really helpful. Thank you so much for bearing with me on my first solo episode. And I hope you have an amazing 2023 and year ahead. Cheers to you and cheers to your success. Thank you so much for joining and keep that momentum going. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.